Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Disc Coverers, the only podcast on the internet that aims to read, review, and rank all 41 uh, volumes of the Discworld comic fantasy novel series by Sir Terry Pratchett. Uh, I'm your host, Iris J, and with me are my effervescent co-hosts. Why don't y'all introduce yourselves? Hey, I opened that seltzer before we started. Uh, I am still Belina. Hey, I am hey. still Belina. I am still here. I still don't know how to do introductions, and maybe I'll learn by the time we get to round of the 30th episode. You've got plenty of episodes and plenty of time. Speaking of which, I'm Juniper. Uh, I have to say, I really thought in the intro when you said series of comic Fantasy. I really thought it was just going to stop there, and we were going to be talking about comic books this time. No, er- series of comic. Eric isn't for another couple months. Yeah, there yes, are some Discworld graphic novels. But yes, I'm Juniper. I'm I'm just here to talk about Discworld. I don't have anything else to introduce myself with, sadly. Hi, I'm the internet's beloved Princess Grace. You may know me from my very good posts or that good pornography I do sometimes. It's a pleasure to be here. Wow! Thanks for joining us. All of you. So, this is our sixth episode and our fifth book. Last month we covered Mort, a really, uh, a a, a book that I would go so far as to say a really enjoyable romp. This month we covered Sorcery, the fifth book in the Discworld series, uh, originally published in uh, 1988, and the third Rincewind story. Iris, um, would you go as far as to say as this was a really enjoyable romp? (laughs) I... I would say that... Uh, Let's be charitable and just was... call it a return to form. Yes. That, it is that. Ooh. That's that's the most polite way you could have put that. Uh. It is another Rincewind story, and it is a land of many contrasts. I quite liked parts of it. Yeah. I quite yeah, liked same. parts of it. Yeah. And I think that uh, there, was some very, there was some good jokes in it. And I think that it had some interesting ideas. Yeah. And there were some... I think Rincewind is at his most three-dimensional that he's ever been. So, can mm-hmm. I mean, that's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, but... I, I kind of feel like there are two kinds of Discworld books. There are the, you know, weird fantasy parody deconstructions that he did for, like, The Light Fantastic and uh, Color of Magic and Sorcery. And then there's the ones where he's actually has society things to say, like, you know, Mort and Equal Rights. And mm-hmm. as time goes by, he does more and more of the latter. But this more is more good ones. This is very much in the former camp. And I don't want to say that one of those is good and one of those is bad, because like I his prose is still improving. There's a lot of good jokes in this. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of the times the jokes feel like they were written before the story was. Yeah, like, yes. a lot of the jokes are just seem like it's him, like, elbowing you, and they're like, ah, I get it? Uh, this person's a barbarian, but they don't act in the way you would expect them to act. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's humorous. See, she's a girl, so her name is Konina? But don't, even though there's no Conan the Barbarian in this universe, it would be funnier <laughs> if her name was Kohina because her dad is Cohen the Barbarian. Can I just say real quick, I'm, I'm very annoyed that there was a character, major character in this book named Coin, and a very <laughs> major character book in this, in this um, character in this book named Konina, yep. because my brain constantly read one and just went, wait a minute. Yeah, and like they have nothing to do with each other. They don't meet until the very end. Then they're just like, who the hell are no, you? No, they don't. 
they don't, don't meet, meet at all. Yeah, they don't no, meet ever. Or no, no, no they the, do like, meet at in, the like, very the last end. Page. Yeah, at the very yeah, end, they're both right. looking for Rincewind, and the librarian like, you know, puts them together. But like, they don't really talk or anything. Their stories don't intersect. Right. Well, that. Yeah. Much. Okay. So <laughs> every time, every time, I was like, coin, or should we say, Conina? <laughs> wink, wink. Um. But yeah, they they have nothing to do with each other, and it was confusing. Anyways, before we kick into the analysis, I'd like to turn things over to our Synoptrix in Residence, Belina, to give us a concise summary of the events of the book. Unless you had something else you wanted to say. No, I was actually, I was explicitly saying, you know, before we get too much into, like, the nitty-gritty stuff, I should go ahead and get that bit out of the way. Oh, perfect. Synopsize us, oh, unseen university apologist. Yes. All right. Wow, that's a way to put that's, it. No, that, to be that fair, I was, I w- at some point I was going to end up saying the Unseen University Defender has logged in. So that's – anyways. To be fair, I love Unseen University. It's just this book really makes that a difficult choice to make. Yes, it's I not haven't enjoyed easy. it much so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, go for it. So stop, stop me if you've heard this one. Ipsor the Red, a wizard, is dying and wants to pass on his power and staff to his eighth son, Coin, the titular sorcerer, a pun that doesn't work when spoken aloud. Due to shenanigans, Ipsor traps himself in his own staff, then guides Coin to take over the Unseen University with the boy's limitless magical potential. Coin promptly tears down all wizardly institutions and leads the wizard to take over the city by force. Local shitty wizard, Winstrand, is accosted by Konina, daughter of Kohen, as she has stolen the Archchancellor's hat at its own request. They flee the city to find someone who is fit to wear it and defend modern wizardry. They are eventually brought to the Seraph of Al-Kali, who is only relevant because he has a treasury and a grand vizier the vizier throws winston into the snake pit puts on the hat gets possessed recruits wizards builds a tower and reignites the mage wars meanwhile rincewind and company bumble around and escape on a magic carpet rincewind gets angry at anti-wizard rhetoric flying back to ankh alone the others remain in the story but no longer matter pressed to his breaking point by the librarian upon his return rincewind launches such a pathetic attempt at coin's life that it finally makes the kid question his father slash staff's advice the ensuing fight causes the staff to be destroyed and both coin and Coin and Rincewind to be hurled into the dungeon dimensions. Rincewind stays to distract the things long enough for Coin to flee back to regular reality. Coin realizes that he's so powerful that it's impossible for, it to, for anybody to tell stories that involve him, puts everything back where he found it, and leaves the narrative. The librarian puts Rincewind's hat on display in the restored library to remind us that we will eventually have to read another book about him in the future. <laughs> Thank you. That is a that wonderful fan- summary. Hell yeah. That was fantastic. Hell yeah. You, yeah. And you let some really quality editing work there. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah you cut out all the racist parts. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, 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 cut, I cut out entire characters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Remember yeah. Nigel? No, you don't. He's only there so that... He's really only there, like, so that Konina can be straight, which, come on. That's, yeah, that's come Nigel on. is here because well, two-flower isn't. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. he's a two-flower analog. He's yeah. got and Two Flower was more entertaining and funnier. It's like somebody was like, "Hey, Two Flower is kind of a kind of a racist stereotype of the Asian tourist thing." And Sir Terry was like, "Oh, damn. You're right. I better avoid that problem." <laughs> Anyways, time to go write about India. <laughs> like cuz at least Let's go to the at least mystical Two- orient. Yeah, like at least cuz at least Two Flower there was some some self-deprecation there. Two Flower had the, you know, us western tourists sure do like Speak our native language loud and slow to so help people understand us. Clatch is um, mm, it's not good. It's certainly it's like, like that. Disney's Aladdin levels of yeah, cultural I, insensitivity. I, there was this kind of weird thing that how Creosote, the Seraph of Akali, who again I skipped over him almost entirely. He 
didn't really have any idea what the hell he was doing and was just just reading this stuff in books and just have had so much money that he could pay people to go along with his bullshit so mm-hmm. it was kind of implied that like yeah people were probably a lot more normal outside of you know this infinitely sized palace but, yeah, but we don't really see anything we don't outside see of any the infinitely of it, no. sized palace but yeah it's just all of his stuff is just weirdly naive, and again, we get that kind of weird, wide-eyed, two-flower vibe to it. Pratchett never fully learns that you can't respond to racism by going, ha-ha, well, I mean, I know that racism's bad, so I can make jokes about it, right? Uh, eh? Nudge, now, nudge. Now, and, yeah. now, you asked, what do I, a middle-aged British man, think India's like? Well, let me show you. <laughs> you can't engage in really racist stereotypes in order to subvert them without any analysis or thought about the stereotypes themselves instead just going well they're wrong so it doesn't matter no it, yeah and it like work. it's weird too because like you can tell the th- the things that he is good at parodying are the things that he knows more about so like things like um like the whole like the, the whole hierarchy of wizards and stuff, there's a lot of details on that because that, like, wizardly bullshit is, like, a fixture of fantasy novels and it's easy for him to go on at length about them. Uh, whereas, like, you know, Clatch is such a weird amalgamation of, like, 1001 Nights and, like, a lot of, like, ideas about vaguely what, like, a broad swath of land between Istanbul and, like, Calcutta is yeah, like... Yeah, it keeps um, varying as to what precisely it's parodying. It's like, it it could be... An, yeah, it could be an entire region. Yeah. It could fit three or four time zones inside of the regions it's supposed to be. And it's all of them at the same time. Yeah. A weird thing, too, is that, um... There's, uh... The... 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 Serif, which I guess is, like, an analog to the caliph in uh real life terms um creosote uh creosote is actually a greek term uh it comes from the words uh creos meaning meat and uh soter meaning preserver uh his name is derived from the phrase as rich as creosote which is to refer to uh the actual real life creosote which was a kind of like coal tar that's used to um uh kind of strengthen railroad ties and like Um. ends up getting gunked into the inside of chimneys Mm -hmm. so it's like really really thick heavy gunk but uh i don't if there was a joke there as uh, like i get that it's like oh because he's rich and stuff but it just seems it seems like a weird yeah it's it's, like so many other things about the Seraph, it just seems like a weird joke to have to stick with for the rest of the book especially since like as soon as like as the first words out of Rincewind's mouth upon meeting the guy are, like, he explains the joke. He's like, oh, as in the saying, as rich as creosote. You're, yeah. You're the guy. Okay. You just, you just, like, blew your load with the joke, and now we just have to live with it. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I wanna, I wanna, before we keep going on this, I just wanna say, in this book's defense, or perhaps further condemnation, I really liked the opening. Yeah, like yeah. the first section with the whole thing with death and the thing that that really sets it up for something interesting. Yeah, like oh, we're gonna see this kid conflicted between like 
being a normal human being and being the son of the greatest wizard ever, and especially after everything Mort did with, like, fate and such, having it be, oh, there's a prophecy and here's the thing that could stop it, uh, was really great. And then immediately yeah. after that, the gag of all of the rats leaving Unseen University, that was great. Yeah. That was yeah. a fantastic bit. Oh, and don't forget the bed bugs too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the magical answer back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I again the, the, the answer that, characters now. Yeah, the yeah the, the bed <sighs> that bugs. That whole section was just really good. I I really yeah. loved the way of just like showing something very bad is going to happen by like random shit leaving and rinse wins very aware and everyone else is just like that's yeah. weird what yeah. are you talking my, about my, yeah the ants are leaving you know how how rats leave a sinking ship but this is a building it's not a ship what the fuck are you on about rincewind yeah. and it also thing. does a lot for rincewind's character in my yeah. opinion because like his one big strength is that he can see horrible shit coming yeah because he's really good at going I'm not going to be there when shit goes down. Yeah, the, yeah. I yeah. actually found a bit here when I was doing some other side research, and like Pratchett has has said that like he, in his opinion, the purpose of of Rincewind is to meet more interesting people, and that he always had trouble working with a character who just he's a one dimensional character. He's a coward. He doesn't care who knows it. Yeah. And he said at the time that Rincewind is so hard to work with because he doesn't have an inner monologue. Whereas in this book, Rincewind suddenly very painfully realizes he has an inner monologue and has several protracted mm-hmm. conversations that my plural friends probably would get uh, way up on because he's just talking to himself and constantly throwing himself for loops. Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't know if that quite it's I mean it's it feels it it at least helped have him somebody he could actually talk to somebody and they wouldn't just be constantly blowing him off. I almost wish they had done that more consistently though, yeah. like establish that as like more of a thing. Yeah. I really feel like they do it well at the beginning and they do it well at a couple of small points. Mm-hmm. And they do it pretty well at the end in some ways, although I have thoughts on it. Uh but then for, like, everywhere else in the book, he's just, ha-ha, I mean, I, I, I mean I'm mean, i usually making, makes joke about running away from death because I'm allergic to death. It kills me. Yeah, ha-ha. I, I've quoted Greta Over Dick and over life. and over again. I, I did like the fact that when he and death meet up very briefly, death acts like he's just pretending he doesn't know Rincewind. I mean, he's they're act, they're, he's acting like an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. That, that was a good bit, yeah. Uh, there was another where they rinse when death acknowledge each other like professionals. Like, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's We've seen a lot of each other. It's it's not fun anymore. Whatever. Yeah. You're not, we're not, you're not here for me. It is what it is. Uh, and the stuff like that, and then the stuff like Rincewind having an inner monologue for the first time. Well, the inner monologue parts that aren't weird, horny. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah. Um, I, I glossed over yeah. some of that. <laughs> Yeah, like that. It 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 genuinely works really well. Yeah. It's just we don't see much of that or much of any character having yeah. complex emotions. Yeah, like Rincewind has to talk to someone because no one else in the story is all that interesting. Like, is Coin like kind of develops a con- conscience at the end, but not like not really like while he's doing all this other mage war bullshit. Uh, you know. Everyone else Rincewind runs into on his adventure, who fucking cares? Like, I I want to like Kanina, because... But, like, even then, Sir Terry is so fucking straight, he can't see what he's working with here. 
Oh, she's too big and strong and powerful. No man would want to date her. What the fuck is that? Yeah, like, at the what end, we're like... Like, not to skip all the way to the end right now, but, like, at the end where they're... The, uh, Konina and Nigel are facing down the ice giants, and they just... Like, Konina lowers Nigel down in front of the, the glaciers, and Nigel's being really bitchy for some reason, and yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, you were thinking about maybe, like, hooking up, huh? And Konina's like, I guess, and he's like, oh, yeah, but I guess, who would who would wear the pants in the relationship? Who would be Mr. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, what that, the fuck that was, was like, that? that? That line could have been so fucking good. It was, like, so yeah. close to good, but unfortunately, yeah, this thing is like a 30-year-old book written by a yeah. straight white British man, and it's... It... Yeah, and also, like, it, it really cheesed me off that, like, Konina was, for me, in, like, pretty one-dimensional, but still, like, interesting, like, kind yeah. of like a Cohen and Bethan from Light Fantastic rolled into one character and provided yeah. with sort of a personal conflict where she doesn't want to be a barbarian. Yeah, the, the sort of reluctant, she was, sort of reluctantly kicking everybody's ass is a pretty good bit if it's your that's only. That's great, bit. Yeah. and yeah. I I enjoyed having her around right up until she they went to Clatch and she disappeared into the harem and like not that I was you know she was perfectly you know self competent and stuff before and after, but like after that she runs out of things in the story okay. to do. Check my work yeah. check my work here. After Rincewind gets pissed off and just flies off with the carpet, do Nigel, Kanina, and the Seraph do fucking anything of worth? They mostly just like no. they fuck around with a genie and they eventually yeah. wind up backing off. Yeah, they they st- they, they steal three they of the horses of the apocalypse. There's a bunch of weird genie jokes and none of them are good. The fact that they steal like war, famine, and pestilences horses that's a a that's, decent bit. Yeah, it's it's a good bit and like it was enjoyable for the sake of it being again being a fantasy story. That's that is mm-hmm. fun, but it doesn't accomplish anything. Like the mm-hmm. the yeah. god the gods deal with the the ice giants off camera. We're just gonna have to assume that Coin fixes the thousands of miles of damage that they must have caused with you know the rapid glaciers and all that. God, so many people fucking died in this book. Yeah, yeah. There's such a body count. There's such an incredible level of, like, people getting blown the fuck up I, and turned okay. into wacky shit. I am assuming that Coin just fucking puts all of this stuff back to normal. Not just the university, not just Angkor Pork. I'm assuming that he's doing something on billions of levels higher than even the fucking Octavo was and just fixes everything before he just fucks off forever. Because otherwise, none, like, we... That you'd be dealing with the fallout of this for the rest of the series and then some. Yeah, like, the fact that this book, I, like, it's like you said, like, I get now why I forgot about the entire plot of this book. It's because the events of it are literally never mentioned in any other book after this. Like, it's it's like the whole Mage Wars 2 just falls into a hole and just the ramifications are never explored whatsoever. Like, okay, I was, I'm really hoping, I think that the next time we deal with the Unseen University, it's the modern university. I think. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that because we've still got several books before we get to Reaper Man and that's the point that I know we're there. But Yeah, I think it's going to be Guards Guards, right? I think oh, oh you're right, guards. right. That is That does have library stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I, but I don't remember offhand who the faculty is at that point, and I'm just hoping mm. that that faculty is just sort of for like unofficially because of all of the bullshit that went on, and the you know the wizards getting together, and you know maybe we should make something a little bit more stable than what we had. 
because wow it only it only took one fucking kid to just completely destroy all of wizardry and almost the entire disc maybe we should not be such dipshits all the time at least we get a we do finally like this is the payoff of all those jokes about how wizards don't fuck yeah they don't fuck so they don't make sorcerers that's the whole reason yeah you would really think that that would mean that if a wizard fucks, you don't kick him out of the university, you fucking kill it. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, like this, yeah, this guy, uh, they kicked him out for getting married and having kids. Like, you know what he's doing. Like, he's not, like, he's got seven kids. Like, you know what he's going for. Yeah, like, or at least, like, explain to him what a condom is. Well, like, he's he's trying to- I know to be- that condoms in the Discworld exist. Yeah, they're called song I know. They mentioned them later. Uh... Well, yeah, he's he's specifically trying to have a kid as revenge, really. He's trying to have himself a God. a revenge baby. Also, it sucks so hard. Speaking of, I didn't realize this like during the during the story, but like the Wikipedia summary implies that Quinn was eight years old when all this happened. That would follow because that's when Esk's bolt magic bullshit started up too. Yeah, because again, you know. eight years old because eight. Yeah, so. Yeah, like, I was imagining, like, you know, a teenager or something, but no, this fucking eight-year-old child is showing up and killing everyone. And everyone's just chill with it. Well, they are terrified of him. Yeah, they're absolutely terrified, because, you know, he blows up the two or three strongest wizards in the university. Or at least the Mm. the two, second, or uh, first strong, epidemic. He blows up the ones that are dumb enough to stick their heads up. Yeah, he he blows, yeah, he blows up the guy who's gonna be our chancellor, and a guy or two after that, and, you know... After that, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, when this guy's around, we can do some, we can do good magic. We don't need the rationing system that the orders were. And yeah, n- again, none of this stuff is ever going to come up again. By the way, Nigel and Conino will never be mentioned ever again, as far as I can tell. So I guess they did just go off and live happily ever after, but they did it very yeah. quietly. And like, it, like you'll notice, you know, this was a book about the university and all that, but like Esk and Simon weren't fucking anywhere. Every, yeah, every, the, yeah. Of all of the wizards that had names... Two of them survived, so... Mm-hmm. And I think also they, uh, they're they back on the whole, like, oh, wizards can't be women shit. Like, yeah. already we have yeah. uh, rolled that back. Yeah, it's, it's so weird that, like, there's a lot of references to the first two books, but, like, they also kind of forget them. Like, yeah, oh, wizards can't... A, there's the woman wizards thing. B, like, Rincewind has to be reminded of, like, what the dungeon dimensions are, even though, like, you were He's fucking there, there Rincewind. You fought <laughs> yeah. them. They were in... Like he, you like, were he, there. All he would have had to say is like, "Oh, when he's telling Coin to to bug off and go back to reality, is like, look, I've done this before. I'm sure I can handle it a second time." Like, yeah, no, yeah, he already has experience. And say, so Coin is like, read I, his mind, and he's like, "Oh, I must might have taken a class on that at some point." <sighs> I feel like Coin is one of the biggest failures in this book. Yeah, outside of the extensive long everything racist bullshit outside of the entire rinse wind plot line like mm-hmm. 80% of it is bad but like in terms of the stuff that's good which is mostly the shit with the wizards i feel like the characterization of coin is just well he just shows up and is already more powerful than anything else imaginable we never get to see any sort of conflict seemingly in him until the very end yeah. okay. he kills everyone who's a threat basically instantly i'm like yeah there's hints of stuff but if we had gotten any characterization for yeah. him if we had gotten any sort of threat to him or even just 
made it take him longer to start randomly murdering everyone in his path. Like I was talking with my partner about this and talking about how uh, she mentioned that the, uh, the, the scene with the bursar being murdered by the staff, genuinely a really well-written and fun scene. And like this great moment of, he can't quite bring himself to do something that has to be done because he he's still a wizard. He still kind of thinks in this very specific way. Uh, but what's it going to do to the narrative? It just kills off the only character that had an interesting response to coin, and now it's there's nothing there's nothing changing that. There's nothing pushing back against it, and it's just yeah. kind of there's no viewpoint character anymore. Yeah, there was. I mean, all right. You mentioned early on, like you were expecting them to set up this great, you know, do I go with destiny or do I go with my heart? Or you, know, the, the idea that Coin was going to have this big internal struggle, but Coin is just being puppeted around by his father for like ninety percent of the book. Then when yeah. he refu- when he refuses to kill Rincewind because Rincewind is so clearly not a threat that he just snaps and just instantly oh nope i don't care about this staff that's been guiding my every action for the last eight years yeah it's just mm-hmm. and he just immediately it, decides that the staff must die right now because okay i guess to to be fair his response to every problem has been to kill it so far it, yeah. it's just such it really could have been some really interesting characterization and it really wasn't <laughs> yeah like there there was like there's two there was a couple things he just dropped. Like, one of them was like, yes, like, maybe, like, we should have seen some of Co- Coin realizing, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be fucking killing people. Like, have some back and forth. Like, let us see inside his head. Like, what is his relationship with his stick dad like? We don't really know, except for at the very end. It kind of sucks. There, there's, like, and one little that, line. And, like, the, bur- the Bursar did, when he looked in and saw the staff basically lecturing Coin. And that, but that was yeah. like this one little bit, and that was that. That was just your oh, all those times where they talked to like Coin's voice having a steel edge or whatever. It was because it's just his father talking through him. But that was it. Yeah, that, that was the only sign they gave us. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's that, and there's um, like Rincewind keeps coming, keeps having these moments of like, yo, you're a shitty wizard, aren't you? And he's like, yes, I am. But you know what? It's it's who you are that matters, not what you can do or whatever. And it would be a very, like, stirring thing. It's like, yeah, I'm a shitty wizard, but I'm a wizard, damn it. That's what matters to me. And, like, he, he has this whole little speech about, like... You could read his a trans allegory if you wanted, but, like... Uh, it just doesn't fucking go anywhere. Like, it's... Yeah, we get it. You're a wizard, even though you're a shitty wizard. What does that the, mean? The the problem is he's yeah. he's a coward first and a wizard second. If he had yeah. literally any pride, he'd be a much more interesting character. Yeah, yeah, and like also like and again like to reiterate, he's already saved the entire planet once before. So you'd think he'd at least have a little bit of like, well, you know, I I may be a coward and I may run from things, but uh, I am exceptionally good among wizards for running away from things. Yeah, I have been known. I have yeah. been selected we, for we it. We kind of got the moment make him a fucking Luigi. That. Make him a Luigi. Make him like, it's okay yeah. to be a coward. Yeah. Make him a coward with no sense of right. scale. When, when, when the moments when they lean into it, like, as I said, at the very beginning where it's like, oh, the Rincewind's the only one who knows what's going on because he always runs away or the moments when they make there's some good jokes about it yeah. amongst a lot of 
mediocre jokes about it mm-hmm. or the ending when they kind of like talk about like hey well uh, you got to do this you want to be a wizard or the whole the reason that this works is because you're such a non-threat those are great moments yeah yeah there's not many of them that's what makes rinswind interesting is because he has a unique perspective among wizards right. he has yeah. he has that going for him but they just don't use it that much also the whole thing about like Rincewind is best when he is int- meeting interesting people. Yeah, he really doesn't do that. All the people he hangs out with suck, and they aren't interesting to read about. Yeah, yeah. It's, like they all right. The the moments like right before he goes to confront Coin, when the librarian is threatening his hat, and he just he he agrees to go on this suicide mission entirely because the librarian threatened his hat. There, that is one of the few times that this actually pulls through on this actually being a wizard more than being a coward. And yeah. again, if you just have more of those moments, he would be a much better character. He'd be a much more likable character. Absolutely. But we got what we got. So, and, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I also wanted to I also wanted to bring up I don't know if this was being written concurrently alongside uh, this book, but uh, it's kind of crucial to note that coin is sort of coin to me feels sort of like an early draft of if you've ever read the book Good Omens, the book that Terry Pratchett co-wrote with Neil Gaiman Uh, coins character feels like a rough draft for Adam in that book, who is the Antichrist, and who is similarly like a young kid who doesn't really know a hell of a lot, but has this like world shattering amount of power behind him and has the potential to fuck everything on the planet up super easily. Uh, But the difference between the two characters is that uh, for I and believe me, I have criticisms about a lot of how the scenes with the gang of kids in Good Omens is written. It's not amazing and a lot of the time, but like Adam is so much more interesting of a character because he gets to consider his position for himself. Like he he doesn't have like this constant like push on him from outside from a staff or some other similar voice. Like the the power inside of him eventually does end up corrupting him and pushing him towards world conquest. At the same the same thing that happened to Coin and and viewing human life as like uh forfeit, but. He comes to it on his own, and he, like, through a series of, like, perfectly reasonable little logical jumps that kind of build on each other, and that's that makes for so much more interesting of a personal conflict and a personal journey, fi- like, feeling corrupted like that and then eventually pulling yourself out of it, than Coin, where he's just like, oh, I guess I'll do what I'm told, or my dad is gonna, you know, uh, use staff magic at me, and then later being like, oh, wait... Kill bad, uh, dad. Bad. Bye, dad. So so I, sad. Honestly, bad I dad. feel like part of why I didn't like Coin's character a lot of the time is because, like, hey, as someone who has dealt with abuse, not it's it not, doesn't work that easy. That simple. You can't just hint at it like that and then ignore it and then bring it up and then have the kid instantly throw it off entirely and then have like. Rincewind threaten him in the dungeon dimension yeah, to get him to run about? away, what which the is fuck was that? fucked yeah, up. Just setting, yeah. off, setting off a trigger like that seems like the worst thing he could have done, but I guess that's everything awful. else wasn't working. So I don't. I guess that's just it was a last ditch thing. It, it worked, I suppose, but yeah, it was a real <sighs> shitty thing to do, Rincewind. 
Yeah, <laughs> Rince, what the fuck? Anyways, God, like like I said, like there is so much potential for that character, but just not Yeah. There it's like they it's like Terry was like, I can't spend too much time on this kid. I need to get back to see what uh, the racist caricature and the hairdresser and the bad barbarian are doing. Oh, that reminds me. So you know who Nigel is, though? Have any of you ever watched Xena Warrior Princess? Oh, no, no, no. He's Joxer, no. Nigel is Joxer. Nigel is Joxer. Nigel is just Joxer. That's it. Joxer was a better Nigel than Nigel was. Oh, no, it was much better because he actually got to do things. And he had a theme song. Oh, no. If if you start that, I'm disconnecting. (laughs) I am cutting recording if you put a word of that song in this thing. No, I, I'll, I'll save you from that. Okay. But, um, yeah, like, why didn't you give more time to that thing, which is potentially complex, when instead you went over and did more of the hokey-doke fantasy parody bullshit? Just this, is, as an aside, the fact that, like, the mage wars break out about halfway through the book. Just, you know, just mm-hmm. like the big, the big, um everything going wrong in Mort was about the halfway point of the book. And in Mort, I went, oh, wow, they set this up really early. They got plenty of time to actually deal with it. In in Sorcery, they set it up and then forget about it. Yeah, wh- where are they going to get to the major... Where are they going to get to the Apocalypse Factory? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. part of the problem is, like, the thing going wrong in Mort is a city that's, like, going to... It's going to kill two people, and it's going to kill them in a very horrible way, but it's just going to kill two people... And if they don't stop it, other bad things could and will probably happen. But, like, there's a sense in Mort that I think really makes the book work that you could just ignore this. If you ignore it, everything will probably work out fine, and you would never have to worry about it again. But you're not going to because you are a decent human being. And, like, that's a really good kind of thing to base your book around, that you're going to keep trying just because you have to care. And... Meanwhile, uh, in this book, halfway through when the Mage Wars break out, that's the end of the fucking world. There's no answer here. There's no solutions. There's not even, like, a hint that they could solve it. That Rincewind coming out at the end and being like, okay, I'll go talk to Coin and figure it out, it kind of comes out of nowhere. They don't really give anything as like, well, yeah, this could be how it works, aside from the he'll throw away his staff, and even then they don't set up why he would ever do that. It's yeah. like the, he immediately puts the stakes way too high, and we yeah. don't care about anyone here. Like, I care about what happens to the people in Mort. You know, now, I don't really care about anyone in sorcery. Like, Rince, frankly, you know, Rincewind could stay in the dungeon dimensions for all I care. Though, when did the dungeon dimension stop coming back? Because I am sick and tired of them being the thing every time. They, have they been, will. They, they will. They have been the bad thing for three out of the four books. Well, half the books so far. <laughs> yeah. And it's really two out of three if you count Life Fantastic and Color of Magic I as mean, the same book. Part of the problem here is, you know, 30 years ago, you know, formless, shapeless, Cthulioid threats were a lot scarier nowadays we just you know we make smut about them that yeah but uh, yeah yeah that thankfully there will be something much more directly threatening from outside the universe of it and they just kind of forget about the dungeon dimensions also Also, in future books they stop really doing a lot of books where it's the threat is some horror beyond the universe future books the bad guys are usually just 
terrible people yeah who yeah they want to fuck things up but they want to fuck things up on a yeah. human level also 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 like why do the dungeon dimensions even need to be here isn't like the ice giants bulldozing the planet bad enough yeah that just felt like an extra add-on on top of add-on yeah it's like, it's like oh it felt like he it felt like he didn't want to use the dungeon dimensions but then did anyways. I mean, he, he needed a brief. He, he needed something to happen for ten minutes to distract Coin before. Like Coin didn't even really know why he needed to release the gods again. He because he didn't know about the ice giants because he's a stupid kid and his father never told him about these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know why balling up all the gods together was it was a big deal, and he probably never even knew about the ice giants. Like he yeah. never like, he was, like he was probably never aware of them coming. Yeah, because he's because he's eight years old. He's not aware of this this prophecy or whatever. And I mean, as much as it's like, well, his characterization doesn't exist because it's his dad controlling him. Like, we don't get any real characterization of his dad either. He's just kind of like, I want revenge. Yeah. yeah like, okay. Like, cool. What are you going to do? Are you going to destroy the world? Are you going to take it over for wizards? Yeah. Are you just going to do a yeah. lot of weird magic? Are you letting the ice giants show up because you think you can take them? Are you letting them show up because you want the end of the world? Yeah. What, like, what's the deal? We just don't find out. Yeah. I thought Ipsor wanted to like, you know, show those damn wizards at the unseen university who's boss, but I guess he wanted to end the world for some reason. He wanted to prove that wizards were the best. He wanted to shout, "Go team!" wizard and well so that- well i think what he wanted yeah i think what he wanted was like oh the wizards are the best uh are the gods still above us well fuck them let's put them in this pearl thing and then that but like you would think it would be a lot better if there was a scene where someone was like hey kid you know that causes the apocalypse right that's bad <laughs> or like or even if that was like mentioned beforehand like people knew this but they were too afraid to say it to him mm-hmm. like that would be fine but they don't yeah, yeah i mean by that point the wizards stopped actually being individual characters and that yeah that was kind of an interest like that feels like it was at one point supposed to be the crux of the book the fact that the wizards just completely fall in line and stop yeah. being individuals when given effectively infinite power Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. that could have been interesting, but it stops being interesting because it stops coming up. Yeah, like you could, you could really, and I'll like later. Terry would do a better job of this. Like you could really make a salient parallel between the rise of wizardry in this book and stuff, and like the the insidious nature of fascism yeah. and yeah. the the concept, so- like similar to how we got into the, you know a cult mindset in the light fantastic this book is also about how tempting the concept of power and setting yourself over other people like like the the tempting allure of the rhetoric of supremacy is but mm-hmm. that's it's just flubbed it's yeah. just not so, yeah you could have yeah. done a lot with you know all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good to do nothing or whatever which isn't really true but like you could so have like, done something so, like, this is actually, this is something I was talking about, uh, another thing I was talking about with my girlfriend, who I'm going to bring up a lot, because she set, kept sending me her thoughts, because she was listening to it, too. And she's very smart. I love Aww. you, Zoe. But we were talking about, uh, we were talking about Rincewind, and we were talking about how, like, okay, there's a really interesting stuff going on with the hat, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Because the fact that, like, 
they are the hat is portrayed as like the way to stop coin but then as soon as it gets any power the hat is just like nope we're doing mage wars we're gonna kill everyone i don't give a shit yeah because i'm a wizard i only care about wizardry in the sense of like it being about power and the idea that like new evil destroying everything let's just end the world and take it over fascism is exactly the same thing as conservative old school bunch of rich dudes inhabiting a hat uh all of them dead all of them just like obsessed with their own lore and selves the 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 Do history of the british empire essentially you can read it as this way of kind of teasing out like the history, all of the structure of, like, a university in the British Empire, this thing, is just as fucking terrible as the conquering evil hordes that are going to take over the world. They're the same shit, they just don't reveal themselves at first, and it's easy to fall for one. Yeah. And you can also do some stuff with, like, what we ta- what we were talking about is, like, the reason the hat is cold is because it's, like, this doorway to just cold hell of wizardly authority that's nothing and then it just it just gets thrown out because rincewind is just like oh yeah the hat's the nightmare of dead arrow weigh, weighing on the brains of the living uh wow that's kind of creepy uh i'm gonna run away from slavery jokes some more haha uh, it bye. sucks oh yeah i forgot about that like the first thing we fucking learned about clatches in this book is i guess they're slavers Apparently. Uh, I don't... God, uh, it's... Yeah, there, like, there's so much potential here, but yeah. it just not... Yeah. Yeah, like, it never like, came to anything. There's stuff about, like, the natural instinct of the wizard is to build a tower and start trying to kill every other wizard from it. Like, you could do something with that. Like, you could do something, like... Like, this is some libertarian shit that, like, you yeah, could really it, say something about, but he doesn't have the anything to really reckon with that. It's extremely frustrating that they set up, like, the Tower of Art is going to be, like, this last bastion. It's like, Rincewind is going to do something and activate these thousands of year old stones or something. Like, the, he's going to create yeah. this giant duel on the top of it. But, no, he just goes out there with a sock with a half brick in it. And yeah, which you is, hope it yeah. works out. It. it uh, so so yeah. close. Although, yeah, I guess I got to want to point out here, like the Mage Wars. We keep making a big deal about this, but as far as I can tell, there were three towers in the entire disc, and the like. There was the one that was built out of the Seraph's Palace. There's the one that the Sorcerer made, and there's the one in Quirm that gets blown up, and the whole city's wiped off the face of the planet, and nothing's mentioned about this again. Yep, and and there's the Tower of Art, which again, like you said, I thought I missed something because like there's all this build up to like. The librarian, who is the best fucking character in the book, oh, by yeah. far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is, like, trying to get Rincewind to, like, hey, you're a wizard, there's a tower full of books, would you like yeah. to use this to help? And Rincewind's like, nah, I think I'll not do that. I just, I just, uh, yeah. I, ju- I just had a fist flash here. Like, the whole reason they had to burn down the library with matchsticks is because regular magic doesn't fucking work on books. Yeah. You know what? You know how he had this in- giant swarm of an entire library of magically immune creatures, and he had to go fight magic incarnate? Yeah. yeah. Would have been nice. Oh my god. <laughs> this is this is this is, this is why didn't they use the eagles to fly to Mount Doom? <laughs> why why didn't why didn't Rinswin use the the tower full of magic books that like Yeah. Hey. Why didn't he 
Wizard Why didn't boy. he build book armor? Why didn't he... <sighs> okay, you are now imagining the books flying up and, like, filling in all the gaps in the tower or something? Yeah, yeah. and then, like, you could have, like, book arms and book legs, and then it's, like, it's basically <laughs> like a book mecha? Yeah. I don't know. This I just is a, want you a just mecha want fight. to have more mecha in books. I just yeah. want a mecha fight! Is that so To be long? fair, turning the Tower of Art into a giant stone and paper mech would have also been very yeah, good. That would have been ruled. sick! But there's, yeah. there's no way that would have happened that long but, ago. And also, and also, in a more serious point, like, Rincewind is on, like, a first-name basis with some of these books. He's been inside the Octavo. He has experience yeah. with residing in and around I, magical books. He was the, the assistant librarian. So yeah. you think he would have done something with the books. I think that's part of why the librarian parts work so well, because you can feel a history between Rincewind and the librarian. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel like, hey, these are the two shitty outcasts of the university. They know each other, and the librarian knows exactly how to get through to Rincewind's shitty head, like what has to get done. And Rincewind is probably here because Rincewind knows that someone's going to have to get through to his shitty head what has to get done. Yeah. It works great. It's a great moment they're great Uh, i love the librarian yeah yeah, like i have a soft spot for magical libraries but like fuck ah it's a waste opportunity okay i was going to say like just as a tangent off of not uh, of being mad about this book um i'd like to bring up on page 96 in my uh harper fiction copy uh i'd like to bring up the point where we are finally provided with proof that librarian fucks um <laughs> finally so uh so it's uh it's the the librarian uh has locked himself inside of the library after corin takes over along with the patrician uh who is veter- named yeah, yeah. as veterinary yep. at this point yes, i think it's the first time we hear i mean he they said no yes it's they say his name is veterinary yes it's that, not i know i know they say it's veterinary and right. i know that is probably canonically the same character that is not the same fucking character not it is I not veterinary it has not spends, become veterinary yet is it because he spends the whole book tf'd into a newt i mean as someone who would like to be tf'd into a newt no it's because like the real veterinary would not get tf'd into a yeah. newt he'd be too smart for that He's but, uh, too smart for that in the best way, and I love Venonari, and I can't wait for you to meet him. Yeah, but, uh, he, okay, so, uh, Venonari Mark I is in this book, as well as, uh, a little, his little dog, Waffles, who's like a, a, a sickly little terrier. So the librarian locked him in there, and all the wizards are trying to get in, um, and the one guy, Spelter, is trying to get him to open the door, and he says, Spelter side, this show of loyalty is all very well, but you'll starve in there. Hook, hook! What other way in? Hook! Oh, have it your way, Spelter sighed, but somehow he felt better for the conversation. Everyone else in the university seemed to be living in a dream, whereas the librarian wanted nothing more in the whole world than soft fruit, a regular supply of index cards, and the opportunity every month or so to hop over the wall of the petition's private menagerie. Footnote, no one ever had the courage to ask him what he did there. The librarian <laughs> fucks! He Hell fucks! Yeah. And, uh, like, Librarian used to be a person, likes being an orangutan more, and I th- I'm yeah. thinking part of it is, like, because he's like, yo, he, I can, like, bone down as a sick-ass monkey yeah, now. It's he's, great. He's a furry. It's fine. It, Hell yeah. yeah. Living okay, the dream. Confirmed for furry. The, God bless you, The librarian, librarian is one of the first characters, probably not the, the absolute first, but I can't remember 
if there was an earlier example, but Pratchett really likes writing the kind of people who are quietly making the world work in the background. And that yeah. is yes. that is the sort of thing that the librarian does, and he does it extremely well. And he's just mm-hmm. a very likable character who never actually opens his mouth other than, you know, to make monosyllabic utterances that every that everybody else understands because you know what that 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 works just fine he's a great character there there will be other characters like him but not exactly like him but that i'm thinking specifically of stuff like the history monks and the like later but yeah, yeah. Other, we got a whole book about them later yeah i mean there there will be other characters and pratchett always writes them very well because the idea of just somebody who quietly has to make sure all this shit holds together is just always a delight i don't want to spoil the mood but I do want to just kind of put a bit of a magnifying lens on exactly how much I disliked a lot of the Clatch stuff. Yep. Like, it just, I mean, it literally starts with, and I feel like I should put a warning before I describe this joke. It literally starts with, hey, uh... You're the one who needs to be in danger from the slavers because your robe looks like a dress. Which that's such a terrible fucking joke on so many levels. It sucks. Even even for 1988, that joke sucked. Yeah. Uh. And it doesn't ever get better. Like, I I've been okay talking with my partner um i i don't hate the character of creosote i think that it's a very very much a failure and i think that if pratchett hadn't tried to write this character as three flower racist stereotype then like it would have worked a lot better because I think it's it's not a terrible joke to have like, hey, the incredibly rich ruler here is actually just a shitty fail son who wants to make bad poetry and call things artistic. That's mm-hmm. a that's a pretty good joke, and it's yeah. funny. And also like there's some good gags about like about uh let's say, Western expectations of things. Like, a lot of the jokes where uh, the uh, other characters, like uh, Koinina, keep keep mentioning, like, oh, wow, yeah, isn't that the group that is totally not based on an actual real uh, thing where... I'm trying to find this. Uh, where the uh, there was a uh, the uh, a certain group was used as justification for the colonization of India by there a bunch of murderous monsters and uh, uh, Creosote is just like no they're just we just pay people as guards to beat people up and all of that's just myths because in the end it's easier to just pay people to beat people. Oh up. right, the, ha- like, the hashishim, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's a pretty good joke and a pretty good piece of satire but the problem is it's in the context of here is an incredibly badly researched and cared for parody of india but also a bunch of other places and also like part of the reason that the satire would exist is because like in the real life as i said this was used for justification of the colonization of, like, Indian stuff. Ankh-Morpork didn't 
colonize this place. Yeah. It's yeah. it's completely right. divorced from any real life context. And so it just ends up being like haha white people are weird. Okay. Uh let's go back to indulging I, in all of the weird English beliefs about yeah, India that yeah, I'm not going to th- make jokes th- about. This is not a correction that I want to really issue and I probably shouldn't, but while while Creosote does say, yeah, no, we don't we don't employ those people. We just pay normal people to go beat people up. The Hashishim will come up at some other point in the future. No, they are, they, they there are, was a footnote about them. Yeah, there's a footnote that about how they are they do actually exist. They are somewhere yeah. out there, and I think they come up in Jingo of all fucking places. There's a oh, joke in there about how they're always on Hashish. That's the joke. It's not yeah. a good joke. It's not a good joke, but unfortunately, oh, yeah, there's still it's yeah. it could be something that at least is trying to be not racist, but in the end, because of the context and because of everything else going on, and because of the fact that quite honestly, you can tell Pratchett had an idea of a way to make fun of a specific thing. It's the sort of thing where you just get a white person who's like, haha, I'm going to make fun of this one racist belief or this one racist thing. And then they don't analyze any of the accompanying things, any of the cultural attitude, anything else involved. And in the end, what they write is a racist stereotype because they're trying to make one joke and they have to indulge in a bunch of awful shit in order to make that yeah, joke. Yeah, like, there's a whole... That's my take on it. There's a whole thing where, like, the Kalachians take slaves, including to basically a brothel, but Creosote only wants the woman in there to tell him stories because Pratchett wanted to set up this whole Arabian Nights thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of liked that... I, I kind of liked that as a weird twist on it. I was like, yeah, this, this this guy just doesn't actually know what sex is. He just wants to hear stories. Yeah, I like the character. I like some parts of the characterization of Creosote as just this, like, shitty dude who's really rich, has no idea what to do with his money, and is just like, yeah, okay, uh, I guess I'll hear stories. That sounds fun, I guess. What? Like, it's it's a fun bit. It just sucks. Yeah, and he, it's just like, it sucks. the bit outstays its welcome because he spends most of the rest of the book trying to get Koinita to tell him a story or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the very yeah. least, he, get, he gets a happy ending, I guess, when he falls in with some more porky and barmaid or whatever. Right, the, the daughter of the guy who currently owns the Mended Drum, which I think has yeah. changed hands like 12 times in these last five books. And like, that's, that's reasonable. Like... That's a that's a compulsory heterosexual ship I can get behind. Even though, again, why does Pratchett feel the need to pair up everyone in his books? Why does this yeah. keep happening? Why does everyone have to like wind up in a relationship? The secret is that Pratchett really, really likes putting characters in relationships. And what happens is when Pratchett stops writing shitty one-off characters who suck and starts writing characters that stick around and also have a lot of dimension to them, you get shit like Sam and Sybil, who are one of my favorite heterosexual couples in fiction, and who are just happily married for most of fucking Discworld's history. But for now, it sucks. I was going to say, uh, I figured you were going to bring up Carrot and Angua, who are also like... All time, these hats I will allow. Yeah, th- okay. I, I joked earlier about it, but I'm pretty sure Carrot does not know what sex is either. <laughs> I I have I I don't know about that, but I, I mean like I think Carrot and Angua's a bit. 
I don't know how I feel about it at first, but it definitely gets there eventually. And yeah, a it really, grew on really me. good thing. Uh, or I mean, like, uh, moist and spike. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of great. It's good stuff. Oh, good. It gets better later. Good, because now it, it feels like the Big Bang Theory, where they paired almost all the main guys up, just because, like, okay, let's do this. We and, need to and, prove these nerds have sex. I, I will say it's it's less racist than uh, what Chuck Lorre did, which is give the Indian character an arranged marriage. Oh. <sighs> if um, the Seraph's palace didn't get blown up to be made into a tower, which then also blew up... I really would have preferred if, like, Konina had just, like, fallen for somebody while she was in the harem, because... Yeah! God, this book could have been so that, much better that, if it was that, queer. That, oh, my that, God. That, no, yeah, oh, my like, God, yeah! All you had to do was make her not straight! Christ! Have her, like, well, no man wants to date me, but, hey, all these ladies seem to dig on the muscles. Hell yeah! yeah. They, and, like, they love muscles, they love a free haircut. I mean, come on. Again, yeah. like, if the, if the palace hadn't been completely blown up and then blown up a second time, you could have just left Creosote and Konina there. We would never would have needed Nigel in the first place. And <sighs> we, we could have tightened up the back third of this book pretty easily. Yeah, the only reason Nigel exists is to set up, like, a weird joke about how Rincewind thinks he's talking to a snake. And let's be honest, I would have preferred if the book had a talking snake in it. I would have preferred that. That would have yeah, been that enjoyable. Was a, that was a good, yeah, that, that that was was a good bit. Yeah, like it was ta- great. I a- thought we were going to get a talking snake. I was so pumped for yeah, that. Yeah, like, I was really excited for that. A talking snake would have been much better than Nigel the well-read barbarian? Yeah, like trying to hammer in the joke about geese and geese like one more time yeah, just like, to see if it works this time yeah so the you know, payoff of that joke eight was times really funny. the charm but yeah. yeah the fucking 20 times they set it up to make sure you were ready yeah. for the payoff? Are, are you ready for this bit about how they don't know what a gesh is are you are you do you uh, get it uh, uh. fucking jocks are unbelievable <laughs> Also, why the fuck is wild magic always food? I'm sorry, I just noticed yeah. that this book. It's very... Why is it that every single time there's weird magical effects that turn something into something else? Like, 90% of the time it's food. It's because it, it's because it's funny. It's because you he has like, oh, I gotta come up with something funny and random. And it, food it's, is generally it's pretty like, funny. It's, it's Hitchhiker's Guide. It's, oh, they get turned into a sofa because it's funny. Because it's random. A sofa would be funnier. I, I, yes, I know, it I'm would. Just, I'm just tired of this gag. I know. It came up it's, like 50 times. Yeah, and it's always meringue. It's almost always meringue. Yeah, it's like meringue or custard or whatever. Blamange, uh, if you're lucky. Are you hungry, Terry? <laughs> you like those mushy foods, huh? Uh... Anyways, do you want to? Do you all want to move on to the rating next, or were there any other points I, we wanted to hit? Was there anything? But before we, we've talked a lot of shit. What were some stuff that y'all liked about this book? What were your favorite parts? I did have some things I enjoyed. I enjoyed the dedication where uh, Pratchett dedicates the book to um. He once saw a man in Power Cable, Nebraska, pulling a suitcase down the sidewalk, causing it to dance erratically, and that's where the idea for the luggage came from. Um, that was cute. Wait, we get yeah. the, uh, when Death is talking to Ipslor about the prophecy, he mentions the lawyers of fate, which, excellent gender. Uh, mm-hmm. we get a couple pretty good jokes oh. about, uh, like, someone's whispering to Rinch, like, psst, not very, but I'm working on it. Um, and a good joke about marsh rule by wizards is martial lore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, a very good pun. Uh, I- Creosote gets one good line where 
they're dealing with this yuppie wizard, I guess is the joke. And uh, Creosote's been walking to a desert. He's thirsty and sobering up. And uh, there's a whole joke about, well, red wine is bad for you, but any port in a storm. Hey! And uh, so is the flying carpet uh, black and blue or is it white and gold? Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, damn it. I'm not going to forgive you for that one. Uh, That's great. I, I actually, on that note, though, I really liked the dumb joke of the carpet is just upside down. And yeah. That's yeah, that was and he makes the bit. same mistake later because he doesn't actually know which end is up either. He just guesses because yeah. the first saying up didn't work. Like flipping a USB. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then flipping it over again. My favorite joke was, uh, it was actually a footnote. I don't know if I really had a favorite groaner, but this is my favorite footnote in the whole book. It was when they were... Uh, they were trying to get into the secret back room of uh, Creosote's treasury. Um, anyway, we haven't got a lot of choice, he added, and ducked into the tunnel. The others followed him. Many people who had gotten to know Rincewind had come to treat him as a sort of two-legged miner's canary, and tended to assume that if Rincewind was still upright and not actually running, then some hope remained. There's a footnote after the phrase two-legged miner's canary that just says, All right. But you've got the general idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's great I, okay i really uh, liked that tunnel itself <laughs> the where that whole tunnel was just like these stupid practical jokes that don't even work because you know they all of their components have dried out or rusted out or whatever and yeah. then they get to the very very end and the entire ceiling of the entire tunnel collapses with the words laugh like- that one off written on the yeah. side of, the, of yeah. the slab. That was a uh, very good bit. Yeah, and honestly, I liked the response of, like, Creosote being like, oh, yeah, it, responding to all the first traps with, yeah, it was such a prankster. And then that one happens. He's like, such a prankster. <laughs> yeah. Could he then just shoots him a glass that can glance that would melt iron? And also, like, besides the obvious joke, I also love the joke that, like, so we see the whole trope of, like, oh, yeah, these ancient temples and whatever the hell are booby-trapped, Lara Croft or whatever. But, like, nobody ever shows these kind of places as, like, eventually succumbing to disrepair, ever. Yeah. Like, when Indiana Jones runs through the freaking Lost Ark yeah, uh, the, the big ball hole, everything works perfectly well. Nothing's, yeah. like, fucked up or old or rotted like, away. Like, now, like, no one, like, no one else has come in here since. Like, you're the first one to show up here and trigger this... Now, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can excuse it because there's a tribe guarding that temple, and presumably they're the ones fixing it. But when you get to, like, um, Last Crusade, and there's one guy who has not left that room for hundreds of years, yeah. who the fuck has been maintaining these? No, yeah, is he just spraying Rust-Oleum on everything every couple of centuries, or what? That, and also, I like. Th- I think this is the, the first time we get to see the concept of being nerd. Yep. K-N-U-R-D? Yeah, yes. backwards. Uh, yeah. I, it might have come up very briefly in passing, but it still was actually it came up more distinctly here. Yeah, yeah, Where, they explain it here, which yeah. is nice. I, I mean, it's going to get explained. I, at the very least, I know it comes up every single time we have a Vimes book because Vimes is mm-hmm. nerd just by getting up in the morning. I really, I, I liked some of the bits with, uh, I liked some of the bits with Konina very early on when yeah. they were still in Ankh-Morpork. Yeah, like, back when I thought she was, like, a Lupin the third type, I was really yeah. into her. I w- they forgot about the cat burglar part of I was hoping they kept doing that. Uh, and when Rincewind is being carted around there and protesting constantly, the joke hasn't gotten old yet and is still kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you ever notice that 
Cornina just, like, loses all of her knives about halfway through. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's but... been throwing them all over the place, but, like, why did she leave her comb behind on the boat? Why did yeah. she not pick up, like, 30 swords after they drove off the first wave of yeah, slavers? Yeah. She's she's not only a great barbarian, she's also a master thief. you think she wouldn't miss a trick like that. And, mm. like, later on, when they steal horses, she steals War's horse, but never gets to use the just incredible armory that's attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like such wasted potential. Yeah. And, like, you know me, I'm, like, tits out for, like, dashing female thieves. Oh, or yeah, dashing no. male thieves. Yeah. Really, any gender of dashing thieves. Yeah, it's I'm a here really for. good gender. I wish they had done more with that. I wanted to steal her, see her steal more shits. Yeah. yeah. Now, there was... All right, when they got into the treasury, there were three treasures left. There was the magic carpet, there was the lamp, both of which obviously got used, but there was also a magic ring. That never gets mentioned again. Yeah, I'm wondering if that also, was like a reference the lamp to another is such story. a dead yeah, okay. end. Uh, genie yeah. are sometimes in rings. Ah, so yeah, okay. the the idea is the ring could have all could have had something else in it, or it might have just. I mean, the real joke would have been like when the when the lamp just kind of poofs out that they then pull out the ring and rub that, and they get the same answering machine. Yeah, that, that would have been yeah. a very good throwaway bit. Where you pull up another yuppie genie who's like, oh, I see you've met my associate. Or, no, it's the, it's the same yuppie genie. Yeah. It's just that he's so overcommitted on rings, too. Yeah, this is why I have to liquidate my assets in this meat space. Yeah, the little gag about Creosote asking him for a drink and him giving him Perrier was a, uh, yeah, was a very it, 80s touch, I, I feel. I, I guess in the... This century, it would have been LaCroix. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I feel like all the bits with the genie just felt like the exact same bit as from, uh, I don't even remember which was the second one, the, the Light Fantastic. Yeah, it, it was the magic. tea shop all over again. Yeah, it was the exact yeah. same thing yeah. as the shop, except this time, there's the apocalypse going on, and there's no solutions for it, and everything's just kind of... Again, it's more, where are they going to get to the apocalypse factory? Like, why are we fucking around with this genie and tennis shoes? Yeah, I, I kind of like that there was the symmetry of, the, you know, since Nigel tries to just talk the giants out of it, and it just does, nothing gets accomplished, but Rincewind kind of does just talk coin out of the apocalypse, <laughs> and it it does actually work, just not for any of the reasons intended. So I guess that was like one half of one thing that got accomplished there. And like, it maybe if there had been something that war, pestilence, and famine were supposed to do at the apocalypse, other than ride, other than like, yeah, other than there? just show up, like if something had actually been prevented by them not being there, then they would have mm. accomplished something. But it feels like everybody forgot about that plot thread. Yeah. 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 Although I did kind of like the joke of, you know, it's just assumed that War just got a different horse later. I also liked a lot of the really early on stuff with the wizards, mm -hmm. when they're first kind of exploring the idea of having way too much power, and there's just a lot of, like, looking at what happens when you give shitty people way too much power. Yeah. I really liked, I liked Spelter's character a lot. Yeah. It's a shame, like, yeah, I enjoyed them. It's a shame they, like, stopped existing as independent characters pretty early on yeah i mean they they still tried but then you know they both died at various points they died i remember one of them died i thought the other they, bo they, they both get killed at some at, at various points like i can't remember which one of them is which but one of them gets killed directly by the staff direct you know when it 
when it's try when he's trying to warn the librarian and the like the staff tracks him down they have a comical chase scene and he just doesn't survive that and then the other dies when he tries to grab the staff shortly before Rincewind shows up yeah yeah that oh, was right. carding at the second the second one okay so it was yeah but like they like they start out being like two guys in opposition of each other and then like after a while they could be interchangeable like mm-hmm. that's sort of the problem yeah and um, yeah they, you, well when you were talking earlier about good omens which i guess i'll have to admit is in the exact same book of in exact same category as discworld itself because i know i read it but it was like 20 years ago so i don't remember a damn yeah. thing about it but uh, of you know just uh, the antichrist coming up and you know just coming to these own conclusions because he's got too much of his own too much power to his name and that's kind of what the wizards go through, but the wizards just kind of fall in line because, you know, coin is higher than them. No matter what, he's always going to be higher than them, and they just become extensions of his will, and they don't even have the the guts to tell him to stop doing things that are going to fucking mm-hmm. destroy the world. Yeah. This yeah. is a book about the dangers of outpacing, like, making sure that the threat that people are going to face and the rate at which you escalate that threat are reasonable for the book you're writing mm. and also about not writing about things you know fucking nothing about even if you think you can make a funny joke about how ignorant the people around you are if you don't do a ton of research and are very careful the joke is going to be that you were an ignorant racist when you wrote this mm-hmm. yes so with that in mind what let's go to the big board for our ranking system there were two more things i wanted to oh no sorry please go ahead you're doing your little song all right so there was one one good turn of phrase i want to point out which was something was as hot as a stolen volcano yeah there were a lot of fun little turns of phrases in this book at the very i actually really liked most of the writing in this book. yeah i thought the writing was like honestly better than any other discworld book in terms of just sheer quality of writing and how good the gags were yeah, the, the, in terms of just like the, being written. the prose is still improving like yeah, it, yeah. If, no matter how shitty some of the content is the prose is constantly getting better and he's getting better at wedging these things in it is feeling i mean the flow feels more like what i think about when i think about Discworld. we're mm-hmm. we're, yeah, we're definitely getting there it's just this wasn't a great story to yeah. tape it to and uh, the weird thing is he makes a joke about I forget the exact context, but he makes a joke about it was like a something something on adrenochrome, which is a a hell of a word to read in a book written in the eighties in twenty twenty one. Oh jeez! Wow! Oh jeez! I don't want to think about that. Uh, now I'm sorry for cutting off your very good song, Iris. Oh no, it's fine. So ratings time. Uh, as you listeners may know at this point, if you are returning listeners uh we rank every single book in the Discworld series eventually we're probably going to have to make this a little bit more streamlined but we're still in the early books and that means we can rank them one by one uh so gang would you say that this book was better than the color of magic absolutely yes i guess yeah okay cool I Damn, that book was also weird and racist and this book damning with faint is... praise but <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this book at least has a plot. It's not a very good plot, but at least it has one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say that it is better than 
the light fantastic. Still yes, if nothing else, because the prose was stronger. I'm also going to have to go with yes. I, 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 I have a lot of issues with this book, but I feel like a lot of my issues were wasted potential. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it had that potential... It's, it's, a, le- it's a leg up I, on... I, I, I yeah. was mostly annoyed by the light fantastic halfway through. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I kind I kind of... I, I have a little bit of a fondness for the light fantastic now. Like... Just a little bit. Although then I remember that Bethan was like canonically seventeen, and I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah, That's like yeah. I after reading this, I have endured while reading this, I like was fondly remembering the first two books, <laughs> which is a weird feeling to have. <laughs> well, because like this one keeps like trying to like, hey, remember Cohen? Remember? And it was like kind of reminding me of like the good parts of those books, and I think I I think I found light fantastic an easier read to get through than this mm-hmm. uh, that's fair and also i was let down by reading this one after more because more was much better than this sorry yeah more was great yeah. oh i was just gonna say the part the part where cohen finally gets his diamond teeth and then kicks a bunch of people's asses still real good yeah would you say that it's better than equal rights no 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 yeah that's where i'm at <laughs> like I, I think it's better written than equal rights and heck it may even be better plotted than equal rights yeah which it's, is saying it's, something it's true that equal we're like rights didn't have a plot we're kind of we're kind of forgetting the middle third of equal rights because that whole road to movie just kind of is incredibly forgettable but even then the pamphlet that is equal rights was more enjoyable than the book that was sorcery yeah i mean even those annoying middle parts I liked the annoying middle parts of Equal Rights more than I yeah. liked the annoying middle parts of this one. Yeah, yes. like, yeah. At least they had a girl in them. Yeah, who, like, yeah. who wasn't like exhausting to me. E- Equal Rights had several girls. Like I liked Granny. I liked Is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Esk was a fun character, and it was a good way to just explore stuff that the audience doesn't know either. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, nobody in uh, Equal Rights was Rincewind, huh? That's true. I, well, I mean, no, was there. He was there briefly, but like he doesn't do anything. No, he yeah. cameos in Mort, but I don't think he shows up in Equal Rights, does he? Oh, I think you're right. I don't think he is in Equal Rights. I just think he's. Uh, Rinsun was not appearing in this film. Oh. Um, well, I mean, good. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, I think Equal Rights presents while sorcery is a lot more widescreen. I think Equal Rights presents a lot better of a cross-section of like well what is magic anyways what is power what do we do with power and i think it's because like like i'll mention earlier it's a lot more on a human scale it's it's more personal yeah yeah it has characters even if it does go in the dungeon dimensions at the end like still there's sorcery at you at least goes asks the question why are wizards useless in discworld because if they're Mm -hmm. not useless they're dangerous yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so all of the dangerous ones have died out, and all we've got are the little useless ones. Yeah. The the wizards set up these little power structures in their orders and ranks to keep each other busy and focus all that destruct all those destructive impulses inward. But yeah. So we're gonna slot that in in our uh, third position. Uh, perfectly mediocre, I think. I w- I would not call it mediocre, but as per our ranking, it comes dead in the middle. And I'm excited to see it get pushed further down as time goes on. <laughs> as we eventually just uh, yep. compress the first few books into just diamonds as they get buried yeah. under the rest of the series. Uh, Bye! Um, 
But yeah, and also, I'm glad we're talking about equal rights, because the next book that we're going to be reading is Weird Sisters. And Granny Weatherwax is back, and she's in a lot more of the shape that she will take for the rest of the Witches series. The Witches are probably my favorite uh, characters to follow in the Discworld. Like, Belina's all about Unseen University, I know June's all about the Watchbooks, I'm absolutely here for the witches. I love the witches so much. The witches have the benefit of all of the witch series are always about stories. Yeah. So they just, they immediately have a leg up in the actually having things to say category. Oh no, I was just going to say, I haven't read them before and I'm very excited. Oh, yes, yes. Yay. Yeah, the first ones. Get to go into this half blind. Yes. Okay, cool. But yeah, um, so join us next month for that which i'm very excited for and hey uh as i've been casually suggesting to people um feel free to read along with us uh yeah yeah now that yeah. the books are getting good most of the most of the libraries are actually open these days so you know yeah. you just hit up your public library they could use the business also like a lot of libraries have like online ways of checking things out that's how i've been reading some of these yeah, yeah. I know our library does like an ebook thing that you can read on your phone and stuff. It's pretty cool. But yeah, like I, I mean, I I think I made it clear this podcast that a lot of my insight in this book came from me discussing it with my partner. So, I mean, the more perspectives you get on books, the better. Read along with us. Yeah. Send us an email with your thoughts. You might- Tell us we're big dummies for not loving. Conina, and I'll say she was not written well, but I understand people who just really want to love a strong lady who can steal things. Yeah, I mean, I understand. Yeah. I'm gay, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I absolutely get that, and I wish there was another book that would be just about her stealing things. There isn't, but I mean, Angua that's... show up eventually. That's fanfic that can exist. Think about it. Also, uh, finally, we got some fan mail Hell yeah. from... Um, from Jay, they, them, but it's about Weird Sisters, and I might actually Ooh. save it for the next episode. Oh, yeah. but there's another fan mail here. Hi, from uh, Reshef Brock Porat. Hi, disc coverers. My name is Reshef, they, them. I heard about your podcast on TikTok. Where, how are people hearing about our podcast on Please TikTok? Please send us fan mail telling person. us how the hell TikTok got Tell you. Us? It's been eating at us for weeks. Can y'all link us to like where we're being on TikTok? Because none of us have a TikTok account. So help us, help us, TikTok teens. You're our only hope. Yeah, I started a Byte account back when Byte came out. I don't have a TikTok though. Anyways, I heard about your podcast on TikTok, and I was so excited to listen to other queer people talk about my favorite author. I really enjoyed your episode about equal rights. I reread it for the occasion. I give lectures about Discworld at local sci-fi and fantasy cons, and I might refer to your analysis of future events. Hell yeah. I was wondering, when you made the episode about equal rights, did any of you read Sir Terry's speech from Novacon 15, 1985, titled Why Gandalf Never Married? I think it bridges the gap between the light fantastic and equal rights rather well. I'll be glad to know what you think of it. Thank you for making Discworld content for us. Reshef. Thank you very much for writing in, Reshef. Yeah. I have not read that. I don't know if any of you have, though. I, I kind of oh, wish I I'd like... known about it so I could have read it for this. Oh I feel God. like now's a good chance. If you want to hear our thoughts on this essay, or I guess speech that Terry Pratchett get, did, I guess tune in to the next episode. Well, we'll probably be reading two things, including this random thing. I, I, I'm excited to discuss that as yeah, well. Yeah, we've got, we've got some fan homework. Hell yeah. Um, 
I'm also really excited because next week is yeah. Weird Sisters, which is good, and then after that is Pyramids, which is Pyramids. Mm-hmm. But after <gasps> that, after oh, that guards, is Guards, Guards, guards and I'm gonna lose my shit. I'm god. sorry. Oh my god. I, I'd I'd like to I'd like to draw our attention to one more piece of fan mail from November 30th that I totally missed because it was a little bit further down in my queue, and I need to unsubscribe from Twitter notifications in this mailbox. Um, here, uh, Gummy Worm writes in. Uh, Episode one thoughts. Fuck you for reminding me of my crush on Rincewind as a little egg. How could you do this to me? <laughs> Sincerely, Gummy Worm. Gummy Worm, <laughs> message me, because I know Gummy Worm. Message me so that we can discuss uh, ideas about making Rincewind less shitty by making him trans mask. I have yes. many ideas. Yeah, that's yes. why I started reading in here. That's like the best reading of his fucking speech about being yourself or whatever. That's the best reading of his whole thing about how, like, someone comes up to him and is like, well, just stop being a wizard. And yeah. he's like, what What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? That, yeah, that, no, that, that was like, I, no. I kind of wanted to mention that because that was part of the same awful, awful joke about you're the one here wearing a dress. Why don't you just take the dress off? <sighs> and he just, his brain just shuts off because he cannot conceive of himself not wearing the robe and wizard hat. I, I get it. It's like his pride very, very occasionally shows up. And when his pride shows up, it's always his best moments. Yeah. But, uh Yeah, like, he, he has this whole speech about the important thing is to know who you really are. And I I was reading that as like, oh, okay, Rincewind Trans, that makes sense. But, like, you know, it doesn't really do anything else with that. We, that particular, we've talked about this already. And I... I confession that i used to think rincewind was my favorite character but i was also a dumb teenager so i'm not gonna introspect too much oh on that. my god nero just sent me the link to the tiktok uh i'll put the link in the show notes oh no uh, anyways uh that's it for uh this month's episode of discovers thank you so much for listening uh my name you can uh visit us on the internet at anchor.fm slash disc pod we also have a twitter uh, twitter.com slash discpod and we're on queer.party on mastodon the decentralized social media network uh, at queer.party slash at discpod uh, you can hit us up there if you want to send us nice little messages for how good of a job we're doing or if you want to tell us about some experiences dis- with discworld that you've had in the past uh, if you want to tell us how bad of a job we're doing uh, you can shove it up your ass uh, we also have an email um, which is disc at hypnovire.us. That's D-I-S-C at H-Y-P-N-O-V-I-R dot U-S. And you can send us email there as well. Um, I'm Iris J. You can find me on Twitter as Iris J Comics. Uh, I do web comics and shit. Uh, I have a, a, twitch show that i do with uh some friends called the help action it's a DD stream for charity that we do every week on wednesday if you're into fantasy stuff check it out did y'all want to plug your pluggables and whatnot uh one of these days i'll get some pluggables but for now i am still belina i'm still at wolf cow on twitter i'm still at belina at cybre.spase on mastodon i am about and it's easier to find me in the show notes than try to understand the words coming out of my mouth uh i am at Juniper Theory on Twitter, follow me because I'm perfect in every way. Uh, and I would like to plug uh, the Yellowstone Magic from Blazeball. Please support us. We're wonderful. We're the best team. Congratulations on getting Shorby Short back. 
We didn't. Oh, what? <laughs> How'd you do? <laughs> but you brought it back! They're still uh, redacted, as far as I'm aware. Oh, we, baseball's a weird sport, and nothing good will ever happen. Anyways. Uh, oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm starting to get to that point where I just don't know what's going on in baseball, and it gets to sound like nonsense, and I'm enjoying it so much. Uh, oh, it's beautiful. I'm Internet's beloved Princess Grace. You can find my writing programs, podcast posts, everything else that's fit to plug at princess.software. Thank you so much once again for listening. Tell a friend about our show. Tell an enemy. Tell a frenemy. Um, and uh, stay safe, wash your hands, and hopefully uh, looking to get in that vaccine because we're getting into that season. Mm-hmm. And uh, preventing the coronavirus's spread is an important part of... <laughs> Enjoying fantasy novels. <laughs> if, if we're, if we're very lucky, this part will feel very dated very soon. If you, yeah, yeah. Yes. You can't read books if you're dead from the coronavirus. I can't That's believe true. the ending of hit series WandaVision airing on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my socks off. Uh, Anyways, have a good night, everybody. Truly, it was a sorcery. Bye.